I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with fire up. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine, I've been on fire with Sally Field, gone fast with a girl named Bo. But somehow they just don't end up as mine. It's a death-defying life I lead. I take my chances. I die for living in the movies and TV. But the hardest thing I ever do is watch my leading ladies kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee. Everybody now. <laughs> I can't even I roll the brick of car. Yeah, I think numerous times during this song, and also during the seasons, I think he changes the name. Like, it's Reynolds, it's Eastwood, it's Redford, whatever popular star was at that time. It's kind of depressing knowing that the action stars of our youth are now, like, in their 70s, and that's weird. That means we're getting old. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you hush your mouth. Oh, my back! <laughs> Think I broke a hip. <laughs> just just singing that song threw my back out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know you know what my favorite part of that song is, and it's a weird thing to like, is the siren. Right as he's about to go into the the, the um chorus, there's like a yeah. siren, and then he kicks it back up. I don't know if that's a that's an odd choice for a song, but I like it. <laughs> Lee Major sang that song. And I'm gonna tell you what. I don't know if he ever sang anything other other beyond that, but, but it's got to be the one song that's stuck in my head. Yeah, uh, above any other theme song I've ever. <laughs> I don't know why, but I tried looking it up so we could play it on my phone. On uh, I have Rhapsody, and usually for the show I I did get the songs that I want and I have them ready to go. And for some reason this one they had it on Rhapsody, but none of his version. They would have like a bunch of country songs, and I was like, "Is this him? Because this doesn't sound right." And I'm listening to another one, and it kind of sounded like him, but something was off. So thankfully, somebody put the clip on YouTube, so I can just go there and, and right. say, "Yeah," because sometimes it's a challenge finding these original songs. I don't know if he ever did put out an album. I don't know. I don't know. He sounds like an average singer to me, but, but yeah. he did good. Well, it's it's Props. whatever it is. It's still light years ahead of the Chuck Norris, uh, Walker Texas Ranger, <laughs> the most tone deaf theme song in history. Yep. Yeah, I will never understand why they like. Yeah, go ahead, Chuck Norris. Go ahead and sing that. Oh, he can't carry a note. Oh, this is rough. Oh well, let's keep this going Don't. for the next eight seasons. <laughs> It's Chuck Norris. You can't tell him no. Yeah, you know what's funny is I'm going over the list. Uh, for the people, if this is your first episode checking us out, I believe we are on episode three or maybe four of season two. We do six episodes per season, then we take a break for a while. We discuss movies for a while, and then we come back to the shows. And I kind of map out. We discuss what shows go well together. And I have in a far corner Walker, Texas Ranger, because he did have a cool you know, vehicle. But uh, I'm kind of hoping that we get sick of the show before we ever get to that point. Like, we're that desperate. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's left? No, Walker, Texas Ranger, and Thunder in Paradise. Uh, let's, do the Hulk, let's do the Hulk Hogan crappy show first, and then, and then we'll do Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chuck. Sorry, Sir Chuck. Oh, my God. 
he his action movies are brainless fun, and uh, there's one where he uh, he literally sits there and fights ninjas. Or no, no, he discovers ninjas in this movie called The Octagon, and he literally just goes, "Oh my god, ninjas!" And you're like, "Was was that was that a, just a test run for the dialogue, and they just kept it, or was that him acting? I can't tell." Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my running line from now on. Yeah, anytime something bad goes wrong. Oh, my God. Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who could act and who never got any credit was Lee Majors. And, and mm-hmm. his success, and not a lot of people realize, most actors who are really famous for a TV show only have that TV show. Rarely do any um, TV actors have a successful movie career. It usually is they try out a few movies, and a few movies that don't do too well after that, they usually go straight to video or TV, and then they go back to television, and at best, they have a show that maybe lasts a couple seasons, and that's it. Then they become like, you know, and, or the guest star. Lee Majors uh, was one of the main characters in Big Valley, lasted for years. Of course, Six Million Dollar Man, I believe, lasted five seasons. Fall Guy lasted five seasons. And then, um, I don't know if this counts as a hit, but do you remember the show Raven about the American, like, samurai? Vaguely. It was on for, I believe, two seasons, and um, it was a cult hit, so they brought it back for a movie on TNT, I believe. So I don't know if that counts as a success, but for a guy to be on four shows that, you know, did decent. That's, mm-hmm. I can't really think of a lot of actors like that. Not even Bob Newhart uh, had that many hits. <laughs> Actually, no, wait, Bob Newhart only had two hits. You know what? Uh, if I can find another actor that had as many successful shows as Lee Majors... Um, I will be surprised. Well, so he's still... I can't see, looking back through his list of uh, stuff here, where he's really been inactive. Yeah. I mean, maybe nothing real big, but he's definitely been active. There's a, there was a show about, I think, 10 years ago that I really wanted to see take off. It, they said it was a really good pilot, but ABC said there was no <laughs> audience for it, which I say, you know, bullcrap. It was supposed to be Lee Majors, William Shatner, and Robert Wagner as three dried up, like, ex, you know, one was like a cop, one was a detective, one was like ex-military, and they solved cases together, and it was supposed to be kind of a comedy um, show, and I really wanted to see that, and, I, and ABC said no, and I'm like, oh, you guys don't know anything. <laughs> I remember seeing him, uh, and I had, for him being active for a while, I, I had not seen him in anything. But I started taking up this show called Jake 2.0 a while back. Oh, yeah. That's Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. That's coming to DVD pl- soon, actually. Awesome. I hated seeing that show in, but yeah. he played a part in that, uh, or at least a couple a couple of episodes of it, as a double agent. <clears throat> uh, where is it? Anyway, but yeah, that's the first time I've seen him back in a while. Um, I don't He's also he been on Grey's Anatomy. He graduated from IU. Did he? Is he from Indiana? Or... No, he's from Kentucky. Um, he's from Middlesbrough, Kentucky. He went to IU, and I believe he played football for uh, IU, and, and then he got really hurt. Like a lot of, like Dean Kane, you know, he was a football player. He got hurt, and then he started getting interested in acting, and that's where he decided to stay. I'll say he, somewhere he started off as a stuntman himself. Yeah, so I wonder... I don't if know if he went into acting or stuntman in stuntmanship uh, how do you say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually, anyway first or what but yeah i don't know a lot of actors who are able to do physical stuff tend to supplement their income by doing light stunts they don't do like the major stuff they just like oh this is an episode of 
uh, gun smoke, and in this one you're going to take a fall, you know, get shot and fall, whatever. You just, I mean, literally, it's a right. stunt if you fall to the ground or if you take a punch, and you get uh, a bump in pay considering how much, you know, how difficult the stunt is, your pay will go up. If you fall off a building, obviously it's going to be a huge bump. If you get caught in an explosion or any sort of wire work, you get a huge bump. Um, Burt right. Reynolds was known for doing lots of stunts before he joined. Uh, I think he was uh, he joined Gunsmoke. Is who I'm thinking of. And then, he, of course, he became a leading man. Burt Reynolds was in Gunsmoke. I'm pretty sure it was Gunsmoke that he was a regular on for about three or four seasons, and he was so popular cool. that that's when he started getting picked up for movies. Well, that's pretty. Ah, to look that up. Let's see. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything listed about what he was, what uh, Lee was in as far as stunt work, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> if anybody's listening to this episode, you'll notice that both of us have kind of lost our voice. I <laughs> this is this is the cause <laughs> and effect of working retail during Black Friday, and you're yelling over everybody. Where I work, we play country music all day, really, really loud. So I'm yelling over the people, over the music, over my coworkers, and now I have laryngitis. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I forgot about this. When I said four shows, um, it's actually five shows. Between uh, Big Valley and Six Million Dollar Man, he was on a TV show for three years called Owen Marshall, Counselor at Law. And it was critically acclaimed. Not huge ratings, but it was on for three seasons. So that is five, five shows that were hits that he was on. Beat that! <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, William Shatner. Uh, William Shatner has Star Trek, uh, TJ Hooker, um, Rescue 911, The Practice. Wow. That's four. Does he have a fifth? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I was going to say, if that show, he was on that show, um, uh, Stuff My Dad Says, if that had been successful, he could have tied him. But so far, we got a win in Lee Majors. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, You'll notice. I think oh, so one. What, what's that? One note here. You know, in the in the title song where it says, "I don't need Brad. I've been seen with Farah." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We all knew a Farah. There's only one Farah, right? Right. He was actually married to her. Yeah. Not a lot of people. Like, were, I wonder no. if it had anything. Was that a love song to her? Or? Yeah. Well, I think I think if you're our age or older, you'll probably remember that because for a while, she, I think literally in um, Logan's Run, she's credited as Farah Fawcett Majors. But uh, anybody younger than oh. us may not know that because, you know, she was with Ryan O'Neill for so long that it kind of erased the Lee Majors marriage. Right. Hopefully it wasn't a bad Anyway. Yeah, who knows. Moving on. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about car stuff, uh, there is a movie that he made right before he starred in The Fall Guy. It's a Canadian sci-fi film called The Last Chase. And it's about a car outracing a plane. Uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen it. Has a kid from Meatballs, and basically he is trying to get. I can't remember if it has something to do with oil. His cars are outlawed, and he's dying. He wants to go for one last race before he dies. And um, I want to say it was Burgess Meredith is flying the plane, and he's trying to stop him by any means necessary. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I believe it's up on YouTube. But he did that right before. So if you're looking for a futuristic car movie, Last Chase um, is out there. Oh, um, So besides well, that, then. The Fall Guy, you know, there, it was originally a movie. 
uh, the pilot movie, I believe. And, uh, of course, it went to series because it was such a successful show. Here's the weird thing is, in my mind for the longest time, I thought the show was kind of a cult show. Like, it did okay in the ratings. It just kind of held on until finally somebody at the network said, no, let's get rid of this. No, if you look at the ratings, all five seasons, it was a top-notch show. Its last season, 85-86, it was number 39, so it was a bit lower than normal, but still 15.8 rating, which would be the number one show in America right now. And it's hard for me to believe that that got canceled due to ratings. It was probably maybe Lee Majors, because he did a lot of stunts himself, even though the show also um, um, was an exhibition for uh, other stuntmen. Maybe he was just tired. Maybe he was beaten down that he didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know. Yeah, the, I can't find it anywhere the real reason why the show was canceled, and it could have gone on for at least another couple seasons with those kind of ratings. Right. How many seasons did we have? Five? Five. I do know that the sixth season, which is technically not a sixth <coughs> season, uh, ABC was in serious trouble in 86, 87, and they started airing some of the episodes from season five uh, to try to boost ratings. But I think it was like the third lowest rated show of the uh, season. So maybe they shouldn't have aired reruns. Maybe they should have just, I don't know, got some new episodes going. <laughs> One would think. Or, you know what, I always thought that it would be cool if Lee Majors was tired of doing it. That maybe he sit back, have it be like an and Lee Majors, and have Howie and Jody become the main characters, and them go on the adventures, and he does more of the handling. Like, you remember how Marky Post? Right. Um, I know there was three girls in the show playing kind of the same character, the one who basically gets them the jobs, uh, but I think most people remember Marky Post being on the show. Lee Majors could have stepped into that role being like the guy who gets them the jobs. Right. I don't know. I think after so long with him being lead, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe people wouldn't have taken to it. I think sometimes when the lead steps away or quits, that it's hard for a show to keep going. So how often is a spinoff similar in that realm actually taken off? I, I don't know. Well, nowadays... For, I mean, and done just as well. Yeah. Nowadays, it seems like every show that's successful gets a spinoff, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, I don't think a lot of people remember that Jag started um 20 years ago and that spun off ncis and now ncis has two spin-offs who knew that a show guy got, that got canceled its first season would would do this jag started 20 years ago <laughs> yeah so jag it like got, i said you got canceled by cbs and then nb no it got canceled by nbc then cbs picked it up and a show that barely lasted a season ended up going for, like, I think eight more seasons and then spun off NCIS. So it can happen now, but back in the day, I really don't think spinoffs were very successful. Mm -hmm. Unless it was a comedy. Like, I think Happy Days and um, All in the Family had a bunch of spinoffs, but action shows, no. Action shows, some drama shows, I would imagine the same way. Happy shows are more... You know, most people watch TV. Not everyone watches drama. That they they rather you know they come home hard day at work. They want to watch something that's gonna make them laugh. You yeah. know. <laughs> well, the nice part is about Fall Guy is it did balance the action with the laughs. It wasn't too heavy on drama. Yes. And it wasn't heavy on serialization. Whereas most action shows today, you kind of have to stay with it the whole time. Whereas Fall Guy, you could just jump into an episode anywhere, and you're not going to be lost. Yeah. Exactly. 
that's like I, I'd say that's one of the reasons why I love this show so much because it was and all the comedy was actually good at least I thought it was but maybe I'm easy to impress but yeah the nice part uh, for me was I was a movie holic almost instantly I think from age four when I saw Star Wars I became obsessed with movies and the right. fall guy uh, if nobody's ever seen the show, uh, I'm kind of curious why you're listening to this episode, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Fall Guy. Well, maybe they'll learn it. Yeah, he was a Hollywood stuntman, but he had problems paying the bills. I, I never understood why, because stuntman actually pays pretty decent. But on the side, he would do bail bondsman work, you know, skip tracing kind of stuff. So part of the episode, it usually started off with him on set doing a stunt, and then it would go into the adventure. Because uh, right. the, the movie stunt would get your interest, you it would keep you going through that first commercial break, and then get you into the action. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool, seeing behind the scenes. Uh, they did the same thing on Airwolf every once in a while because he was doing helicopter stuff for movies, and then he would go into his you know government job. I think Hannibal would do that occasionally on A Team as well. Yeah, you're, you know what? You're right, that's a weird <clears throat> trend. Now <clears throat> it kind of makes sense with Fall Guy because it's the same creator as Wait, no, it wasn't. Glenn A. Larson. A Team. No, Glenn A. Larson created um, Knight Rider. Uh, Stephen Cannell right. did A-Team, so never mind. Forget what I just said. Yeah. Walk away, look didn't away. Can <laughs> did Cannell not do, or maybe I'm mixing my shows up. Was that Rockford Files? Rockford Files is Cannell and Roy Huggins. Uh, okay. You know, it's funny, Glenn, Glenn Larson and Stephen J. Cannell are responsible for probably 75% of the shows we discuss on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's say something about their... Their cred. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, they, they knew how to get a show greenlit, and they knew how to appeal to young guys like us. I mean, just throw in a cool car, some adventure, some clever dialogue. You're good to go. Right. And a hot day doesn't <laughs> bother people much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was always That's one thing I kept. Go ahead. It was a recurring theme I found in everything. I was trying to look up facts for the show, and everyone had something that was like, and that blue bikini. <laughs> blue bikini. <laughs> Not to say that Heather Thomas was the only one. When Marky Post, every once in a while, she'd show up and one, you're like, hello, because they had a hot tub. I remember he always had a hot tub to relax after getting beat up. Uh, right. And, and the girls would show up in there. It's like, it's kind of, um, well, what's the guy's name? Uh, um, spelling, Aaron Spelling kind of jiggle, jiggle fest. <laughs> in. I was always bummed that Howie, Howie's actually my favorite character, not Colt. Uh, I think it's because I kind of get his aw shucks kind of innocent attitude, like he was new. He's the guy who you basically go with, because you're new to the characters, you're new to the show in this world, and you go along his journey as he discovers what it's like to be a bail bondsman and, and, and work in the movies and stuff like that. But I was bummed that his career went nowhere. He did that one movie, um, do you remember it was a Disney movie with the alien guys? They were kind of cool and they came down to... Oh, dang it, what's it called? Invaders? Space? Spaced Invaders. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I ever saw him in after this, and I have no idea where his career went. And Heather Thomas got plastic surgery, and it went horribly awry, so I'm assuming that's why we don't see her anymore. Right. Why do they got to do that? I know, anyway. right? <laughs> Just deal with what you're given, and leave well enough alone. Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um, this picture's not that long ago. It looks like maybe they fixed the damage the plastic surgery did, but uh, shit's good. That's good. Yeah, because you never want that frozen face kind of thing going. Not everybody can pull off the uh, Morgan Fairchild look, where she looks like everything is just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
got me. I got to look at. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we go into the vehicle details, uh, the last thing is this is one of the shows that's been hampered horribly by music rights and poor sales. I don't know if they're related to each other. I do know that WKRP, when the first season came out and they changed tons of the music, that the fans rejected it and it did not sell well. Shout Factory bought the rights. They tried to put in, I think they put in about 90% of the music, and, and now it's a huge success. The Fall Guy, only season one is available streaming. Uh, I think it, I believe it's on Hulu. Um, it's on disc, and they changed a lot of the music. And they even cut out sequences of some of the episodes because they're music-oriented. Now, hopefully somebody can go out there and license the rights, put the music back in, because... For a show that still has this much of a cult following, it should not be abandoned. There's still four years no. worth of episodes you cannot find on disc, but thankfully somebody has put every episode on YouTube, and they look actually pretty good. They must have been from um, uh, the FX run, which Ron will probably remember. Right. When Fox premiered, me and Ron would spend our afternoons, instead of like doing our homework in class, you know, going to class, we'd watch Fall Guy and 21 Jump Street and stuff like that. <laughs> what? Do you remember? It was 97, 98 when FX premiered and we got it at college. And we found ourselves pretty much every afternoon for a couple months watching The Fall Guy instead of doing, like, you know, <laughs> doing homework. <laughs> Sorry, my alarm's going off. That's okay. My yeah, brother. I mean, yes, we, we, we vigilantly studied and... <laughs> I mean, yes, kids, do not watch reruns of old shows from your childhood. Do your homework. Um, because, I don't know yes, if you know this Morton. Or not, we have our degrees, and they didn't go very far. <laughs> I'll tell you, well, uh, Morton, I, I got to call out Morton on this show. Uh, yes. <laughs> He's probably one of the reasons I still remember the words to this this song. This <laughs> <laughs> is the reason I won't watch Top Gun again, because he watched it every single day for months until I couldn't take it anymore. Well, I didn't room with him, so I, I can still watch it. Yeah, <laughs> Anyway, we love you, Morton. All right. Anyway. Let's get some details about his badass truck. His badass. see. His truck was a 1982 GMC K2500 Whiteside with CR Grand Equipment level package. <gasps> <laughs> Did everybody get that? <laughs> That's right. Okay, from what I gathered from the information I could glean from the interwebs, I could find that uh, at any one given time, at least during their shooting during the weeks, they'd have four trucks they would use. One was the pristine one that they used for all their regular shots. It did nothing more than run over speed bumps or, you know, things like that um, for the glamour shots. And then there were three other uh, trucks for various other uh, jobs. And... I don't know if it's one or if there were more of them, but there was at least one jump truck that they, after killing <laughs> a few trucks, they decided they needed. And what's really interesting about the jump truck, jump <clears throat> they, truck. Uh, amazingly, jump truck, jump truck. not dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazingly, the suspension was stock, um, considering how hard they were driven. Like, but there were, what, go ahead. How did that even last? What? I assume that would get destroyed. <laughs> I would imagine eventually. It was an off-road truck or a package on it too, though. So, but um, I mean, they added some other stuff. Obviously, some lift blocks and dual shocks and axle trusses to strengthen everything up, and along with some other things. Uh, but some further digging found that they also remounted the engine. It became a mid-mounted engine. Um, 
but you essentially put the engine in the cab with them. <laughs> could you imagine having a 350 V8 sitting right next to you? Oh, good God. <laughs> it had to get hot. It had to get real warm and uncomfortable in there. Like, oh, boy. It's a good thing they only were in it for, you know, about 10 minutes at a time. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's about all I have on that. Uh, one noted car in here, and it unfortunately wasn't in there very often for those, and I won't say much on it, but there was an 82 to 84 Pontiac Firebird that I believe Heather Thomas drove. Uh, and, hot girl, but, hot uh, car. <laughs> I don't know which one but I don't think it was, have. What? I don't know which one I'd rather have. <laughs> well, the thing I, I, I could say, it, it shared the same emblem, the big eagle emblem, uh, fog eye emblem on the front of it, uh, and it was a T-top model. That's about all I can give you on that. If you want to look up more on that, you can look up 82 Pontiac Firebird and you'll get all the information you want because it was fairly stock. So. Yeah, I, um, I actually had both of those, the Hot Wheels or Matchbox version of both of those vehicles, and I beat the crap out of that truck. Why? Were um, you jumping Porsches? And... Well, I had, one, I had one of those uh, plastic racetracks, and I would shoot it straight up in the air. And for some reason, it just like... <laughs> It would shoot straight up and then crash straight down. I, I, I don't know. I just I love my Hot Wheels, but I beat the crap out of them constantly. I did the same thing. With so my you're saying that was. wasn't? So you're saying that wasn't the glamour shot truck? Nope, it was not. It was the glamour, <laughs> the glamour crap shot. It was like I don't think it was ruined. Um, awesome. Yeah, of the three shows we're going to discuss, I think I I like rock um, the uh, I almost said the wrong show. I prefer the Fall Guy. Amen to that. All right, so we're going to take a pause here real quick, and we'll come back with Rockford Files. That was the Rocker Files theme song. If you didn't know that, then you obviously didn't grow up in the era that we grew up in. Um, it's such <laughs> it's such an interesting song. I think it's the first theme song to use a Moog, which uh, is yeah. that, that weird audio radio. Uh, it's like um, almost like an alien sound. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I was just getting ready to say, except for that part, <laughs> the song's really good. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't like the Moog? I love the Moog. I love the Moog in the right context, but I, I, I think it kind of worked for this, but it's just... I don't know. I'm mean, going on. That being said, you know that's my personal opinion. But that thing made it to number ten on the Billboard I know, right? chart. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so something's going right with it. Anyway, the uh, I think it's the the theme song is perfect on both shows we've discussed so far because it sets a tone for the characters. You know, uh, Lee Majors is kind of a sad sack. You know, the song kind of has a somber, like, oh, everybody <laughs> else gets the respect. Why do all the work? And this one, right. it has an offbeat, um, unusual tone to it, and it kind of sets the sets the idea that you know Rockford is yes, he's a detective, and there's tons of detective shows out there, but 
he's kind of an offbeat version of the detective you know. He's broke. Yes. He takes care of his dad. He gets the crap beat out of him all the time. And people are always after him for debts and stuff like that. So he's kind of a schlub. Even though he doesn't look like he'd be a schlub. He's actually looks like he's a well-to-do, handsome fella. Yeah. I thought he, and he, I don't know. He even acts that way, too. You know, I just, I don't know. He's an awesome I guess you don't have to be a jerk to be <laughs> down on your luck. Yeah. It kind of reminds me. I don't know if you listen to Johnny Dollar. Oh, the old, uh, the the video old shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I and I don't know why he pops out above other ones, but he seems kind of like that same kind of demeanor. But anyway. Yeah, I like yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <clears throat> exactly. But. So, uh, Rockford Files actually was not that successful when it first came out. The first season did very well, but after that it kind of petered out. It's syndication that made the show so well known. It was something that was sold by Universal. Universal was like the king of syndication. When we were kids, uh, we had a channel called uh, WFTT, Super 55 Fox. And Yes. Well, before Fox. No, actually it was just Super 55. And it, uh, it bought a package from Universal Studios, and we got to see tons of shows uh, Rockford played. Voyagers was probably my favorite yes. one. Street Hawk, uh, Baba Black Sheep, a.k.a. Black Sheep Squadron. Um, I think they also, they don't own... Uh, Little House on the Prairie, but they had the licensing rights at the time, so we saw a bunch of those shows because of their package deal. Uh, WKRP, uh, Small Wonder, Mr. Belvedere, stuff like that. Uh, Andy Griffith, I think, was one of theirs. I've watched every single one of those except Bob Bob Blackshoot. I don't think I've seen that one. Which means I had no... I, I spent more time in front of the TV. <laughs> I don't know how I ever played outside. I know, right? That's what I always think about. I was like, I remember <laughs> playing outside all the time, playing baseball and uh, running through the woods. Uh, do, you remember, right. do you remember having toy guns that looked like real guns and you're stunned to this day that we didn't get killed? Yep. I was like, I've been around <laughs> with an AK-47. I was eight years old. It looked like full size and it made, the, you know, it's just ridiculous that we had those. <laughs> I remember having, okay, my, yeah, I don't know when they started going to all that, but I remember that, what was that, bright orange and blue gun that we had in high school. Oh, yeah. Well, that we were going to paint and use as a prop for a movie that we never did. Right. <laughs> but we decided it was probably best we didn't. <laughs> oh, but do you remember when we were so stupid chasing each other around in Vincennes with toy guns? Yeah. And um, <laughs> we were the team that was farthest away. We were deep in like the woods and over by the memorial. And then we come over mm-hmm. to our home base. We parked our cars and made our home base. Oh, my God. To this day, I still can't believe we're not all dead. A bank. <laughs> we made a bank, our home base. There's like eight of us running around with guns, toy guns, or squirt guns, but in the dark, they look like real guns. And we came over, and we saw the other team being put up against the... Weren't they up against the car, and they had to put the guns on the ground or whatever, and they were like checking them to make sure there was nothing going on? I can't remember. I think, yeah, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> I don't know if they frisked them or not, but I do know the cops were there. And what did we do? Did we, kind we, of ran. we ran. We ran away. We're like, we're not getting involved in this crap. <laughs> We would have helped. Their yeah, that story. looks good. Well, we could have helped their store, but also if cops are already surrounded by four kids, uh, and then four more pop out of the woods, they might be like overwhelmed and accidentally shoot one. I don't know. I don't know what could have happened. I'm not saying cops are bad. They, they, they they're gun. Cr- you know, they, I'm just saying things could happen. Mistakes are made, yep. and I'm glad we're, we're both still alive. <laughs> 
to this day, we don't know what happened to our friends. Um, yeah, we have no, no idea. I'm just... I, never, I never bothered to follow up on that. It's, when people ask me, I go, I've never heard of them. I have no idea who you're talking about. That's right. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how we got to this point. Oh, oh yeah, watching so much TV as kids. Uh, right. Yeah, so Rockford Files, uh, first season did well. After that, it kind of, I mean, you're talking season five was 59th place, which back in the day means your show was sucking hey I, mean, I don't want to say the word again i always yeah. say, i already said the a word once um we're, we try to run a clean show if you listen to the show i do with jacob it's the exact opposite where it's the most filthy show you've ever heard <laughs> it's like i'm balancing out the universe by being clean here uh but here's the thing that fall guy never got was the acclaim the awards rockford files was constantly nominated for emmys and you know writing awards and everything like that at golden globes so you know that's one reason why it stayed on the air is if the ratings weren't very good but you got all those people behind you saying this is amazing you keep it on the air yeah if it wasn't for those people hill street blues would have lasted one season um but it won emmy for best show even though i think it was like dead last in the ratings and then it got picked up and then it finally people caught on i said i'm glad it did which I, I I had caught up with it later in life, um, not when it obviously when it was come out when it did come out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, came out before we ever watched, I caught it in reruns too around two thousand. Uh, that's one show we'll probably never discuss on the show because it wasn't a car air oriented one. But if you get the chance, right. seriously, you have to watch Hill Street Blues. Of all the shows that of that era, it's the only one I think that completely holds up it is absolutely fantastic even today definitely give it a shot um so rockford files uh another show from Stephen j cannell this one is kind of strange because roy huggins the man who was behind uh, uh the fugitive he co-created the show and he was one of the main writers until he decided to circumvent the producers uh the head writer uh, I think he even went beyond the union and rewrote a script that never got submitted. And um, James Garner discovered when he read it, he goes, why is this so terrible? This doesn't even make any sense. Why is this being approved? And it turns out he never went to anybody to get approved and was taken off of the show. So Stephen J. Cannell, after I think episode 13, was the guy running the whole thing. And that pretty much made his career. Yes. Does and I think I've made, you know, I've turned it around. But. Yeah, but I don't think Stephen J. Cannell ever hit the same height of creativity um, after Rockford Files. A lot of his stuff is kind of, it's entertaining and it's fun, but it never had the same quality. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being kind yeah. of, I, I mean, 21 Jump Street's great, but I think a lot of that is his co-creator, Frank Lupo, or no, right. Pat, Patrick Harsbo. Uh, you know, he's more known for like Greatest American Hero, which is kind of flimsy, the A-Team. Podcast on McCormick, uh, and then oh, the commission was good. He did work heavily on the commission. That was really smart. Love show. the commission. Yeah, but for the most part, um, I think the Rockford Files is probably his most enduring. No, I said earlier the Fall Guy is the one that I prefer, but uh, Rockford is probably better written. But I think I think the fun factor of Fall Guy is hard to deny. Yeah. Well, yep. that pause was me hiding a burp. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
the uh, there's one thing I want to go off on a tangent here with Stephen J. Cannell while I have the chance. He was really clever. He was working as a head writer for only six hundred dollars a week. He was the cheapest writer on Universal's lot, but he found a way to negotiate a pilot deal. If he wrote a two-hour pilot for Universal, which they could sell as a movie, he would qualify for $70,000 and $100,000 if it went to production. So <laughs> he found a way to finagle uh, Universal into making like a dozen pilots within the first few years of that deal. So his fortune isn't from writing a, a regular series, it was from doing pilot movies. Nice. Yeah, it's crazy. That's not too he was bad. really smart. Universal probably thought that they wouldn't get anything out of him, and no, he kept churning out like stuff that really got picked up. Not everything was right. a series, but they would sell it as a movie overseas or sell it um, into syndicated television as a movie if it didn't get picked up. I think that's the way they should do it now, because I hear about a lot of pilot episodes that I want to see, but uh, they never they never let us choose. But they should put them out there as a movie, and we can just rent it, or uh, you know, just like stream it. That would be nice. Well, you know, you know, everyone feels like they. Okay, it's like hoarders, you know. Okay, I might be able to use this one day. So <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the problem is with holding deals is if you don't pick up that pilot, the people who are in the show will go. They'll go to another show, and you'll never get that same energy again. I've seen a lot of pilots. Yep where they change their mind later, and then all of a sudden the cast changes. You're like, what just happened? Like, um, I don't know if it was last episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, where we discussed The Highwayman. And you can see yes. a huge difference between the pilot movie and the first episode, and that's where the series kind of goes awry, is that first episode. So if you keep people like that, get let us pick. I think Amazon's letting us pick now. Amazon does like five pilot episodes a year, and they let you vote on which should be picked up for a series, which is the way it always should have been. Right. You'll find yourself making a better decision. I mean, yeah. Who better to tell you what's going to make it big than the people who are actually going to be yeah, watching? We're the ones watching the show. The executives probably don't care once the first episode is shot. And it's like, all right, this seems like the kind of thing we could sell to advertisers. Put it out there. And they're, they're so wrong. What is there like? Go ahead. I was done. I was going to say, what are there like 7 billion people in the world? Let's see. So we knock that down to the people who actually watch TV. And compare that to the focus group that they showed it to. Right. <laughs> that, or sometimes they don't even show it to a focus group. It's just one guy, one executive, who just goes, yes or no. And that seems right. strange that one guy has that much power. <sighs> it's nuts. All right, so uh, just recently, within the last six months, the entire uh, Rockford Files series is available in a nice collector set. I don't know if it includes the movies. I think the movies are separate. You can pick those up at Amazon or whatever, like deep discount for a good price. Uh, the the movies take place many, many years after the series ended. The series ended, probably a lot of people know this, is James Garner was beat up. He insisted on doing his own stunts for realism. Blew out mm -hmm. his back, destroyed his knees. I'm sure his shoulders and neck weren't feeling too good. And his doctor told him he had to stop or he was going to be crippled. So... He ended his contract early, which infuriated Universal. He tried to appease them by bringing back Maverick, and it was a huge flop because by then Westerns were not popular. And I think that was part of the reason why Universal refused to pay him his uh, royalties, which uh, is always a dubious. The studios are always saying that everything they ever make was in debt, and they never make any money. I mean, as far as I know, Forrest Gump is still in debt. They never made a profit off Forrest Gump. So they've never paid out Tom Hanks. 
and they do this all the time. And the problem is they cause ill will, and then they want that actor for a project, and that actor says, no, there's no way unless you pay me. Give me the money that you owe me, or I'm not showing up in your project. Which brings me to an episode we discussed back in June, Magnum P.I., uh, Rockford was supposed to show up on Magnum P.I. towards the end, and Universal refused to pay James Gardner, so he never showed up. That stinks. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's a bummer. Where is, it, where is Rockford based? Uh, I believe San Diego. San Diego, okay. Well, that would have been kind of interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if he would have gone to Hawaii or... Uh, well, you know... Oh, you know what? If uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of Simon Simon. Simon Simon is set in San Diego. Uh, oh no, it's Malibu. It's Malibu. That's right, because the first episode is him uh, going to like one of those rich houses in Malibu, which is weird. Malibu is a very, very expensive city, and yet Rockford is living in a trailer on the beach and being so broke. You right. Think he would move to another town. <laughs> go to Santa Barbara. You can't find out these Carpinteria. Yeah. Go somewhere else, you know. Where around here can I find a place where I can just drop my trailer off in a parking lot and right. nobody cares? Yeah. I don't think that would be worse in Malibu. I'm pretty sure the rich people would be like, what's this stupid trailer being in our beautiful beach? That's right. In my parking lot by the yeah. beach. Uh, yeah, I think I think the blue-collar detectives are more appealing because I think most of us are kind of broke and we struggle paycheck to paycheck. And there's shows like Matt right. Houston where he was insanely rich. It's hard to connect to a guy who has tons of money and he's just bored. Uh, what was the other show that was like that? Um, the husband and wife. They were detectives. Uh, oh, Heart to Heart. Uh, yeah. Heart to Heart, you know, they were bloody rich and they just did it because they were bored. It's hard to connect to that because nobody watching the show is probably bloody rich. Bloody rich? Bloody rich. That, wow. was my, that was my really awful English and bloody rich. Also sounds like I'm going to throw up in the middle of saying it. Blah, Irish. I'm not even going to try. All right, so what do you got on the car? <clears throat> well, the car was, okay, nobody shoot me. Was nothing special? No. What? <laughs> that, I, I can't say that. Uh, there's uh, diehard uh, Camaro fans out there who, or excuse me, Firebird fans, sorry. <laughs> now, now they're going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dang it. Oh my gosh! Um, Tomorrow, a Facebook page will be put up: Gearheads Against Full Throttle Television. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. the The car used was a seventy. Well, it started off in seventy four. Uh, it was the Spirit model of the Firebird, and they used it right up until. Uh, let's see. Let me just say that the car used for Garner's character was always this copper mist gold Pontiac Firebird, starting with the seventy four models. And it moved to the 78s. Although the series ran until early 1980, Garner didn't like that Camaro. Uh, dang it. I am going to be dead tomorrow. <laughs> Seriously. There's going to be a hit put out on you. If you disappear, I, I don't know him. I, I don't know what show you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, he did not like the look of the 79s, so they never used him. Uh, obviously, he had a lot of say in the show. Um the, thing, uh, the 74s were the Spirit models, but it was just the 74s. When they moved on to the next year models, they used the Formula 400s, but they just toned it down yeah. to make it look like a, a poor man's sports car. 
Anyway, the, the Firebirds were well-liked by the cast and crew, and, and like you said, Garner did half most of his stunts, right? So he did a bit about half of his driving stunts, and the other half were done by his stuntman, Royden Clark, which is a really cool little tidbit. He was his stunt double ever since the Maverick series as well. Yeah, the, uh, the stunts um, on shows are very expensive, very costly, and for TV to be on such a tight schedule, you have to make that choice. You have to have a second unit team that uh, is focused on those stunts, so while James Garner is doing the dialogue and you know the character pieces, they have to shoot them concurrently. They can't have James Garner go off and do all the stunts or the shoot goes 10, 12 days, which is why right. like, Buffy and Angel were so expensive and time-consuming because a lot of those stunts, they had to have the, uh, the, the actor in the wires or it wouldn't have worked. But with car stunts, especially back in the day, you could pull away and not tell that it wasn't James Garner. Right, right. I wonder how often they... Is it more often that people are doing their own stunts these days? Because it seems to me like I hear that a lot. Um, for realism, yes. But now we are in the digital age. Show, shows right. and special effects, they can make it so that it can be pulled off. I really don't believe that Arrow is him doing all of those stunts. That's why he wears the hood, why he has the mask. It makes the stunts easier to do. And then if the face doesn't look right, they can just digitally wipe you know, something out and add, you know, his mouth or something to it so you right. can pull off the stunt easier. But back in the day, it was always really obvious when special effects were being added. You know, the face wouldn't look right, you know, or he had like, uh, you remember like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you watch Eraser or Terminator 2, it's very clear it's a different man with like an Arnold mask on. Right, which right. Which it just takes you out of the movie for a moment. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> the worst offender I, I, of that, the worst offender of that, was whenever on A Team they would have Hannibal's stunt man. He never looked right. He was too thin. Uh, his he was mm -hmm. obviously wearing a wig, and it was like, what? That looks stupid. Yeah, but you know, I know it was all campy to begin with, so right, we get so could really let it slide. Really, but yeah, yeah. I said one interesting tidbit about Garner doing his own stunts. The one thing he. I don't know, this show was known for what became known as the Jim Rockford Turnaround. You ever heard of that? Um, no, but I was reading something earlier about that. What does that mean? It is a J-turn. It's taught to, or a moonshiner's turn, they call it. Essentially, you're right, driving backwards, and then you do this and that and do some magic, and you turn around and go you know, facing the other direction, off in the oh, other direction. Right, yeah. It's taught to Secret Service and what have you. It's a quick, evasive technique. But, uh... Apparently, I don't know why, apparently it happens a lot in this show. <laughs> so it ended up because his signature move, but it's, anyway, very cool. All right, so that brings us to the end of Rockford Files. Take a pause. We'll come back with our last show, Maddox. His name's Maddox. Joe Maddox. So as a band geek, does that song really get to you? Because it kind of has like that kind of jazzy band swing kind of thing going. Do you like that song? Especially because it features the sax so prevalently. Yeah, you, you were a sax man. <laughs> you know, we were discussing... I was a sax man. I'm completely tone deaf, apparently, from what teachers tell me. I think they're lying. I think they were just too lazy to teach me. But uh, I always wanted to play an instrument. I was just too lazy. 
But um, I'm kind of glad I didn't do uh, any woodwinds because I end up getting like a hiatal hernia later in life, and that would definitely would have aggravated it. Lots of acid <laughs> reflux. I don't know if that's what happens to a lot of people who breathe so hard on an instrument. Did you ever get that? Did you get acid reflux from doing that? I have issues with acid reflux, but it has more to do with my weight than oh, anything else. Okay. I was wondering, because all that pressure, I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't have the lungs for it. I can't run very well. I can lift weights, like, for hours, but when it comes to running, you got me at 10 minutes. I'm like, Aah! Well, it's just like any other muscle. You just got to work on it. Yeah. You eventually get better. I tell you what, I picked up my saxophone for the first time in years to play with the community band here in town, and I was about, I had probably about keeled over after about 10 minutes of playing. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Um, so Mannix is, we saved it for last because it's the show that we're least familiar with, even though it is the most successful of the three shows, and it's the most car-oriented of the three shows, but we really don't have a whole lot of information on it. I watched probably a, eh, three dozen episodes when I was in college, because TV Land had debuted, like, I think summer of 96, and my mom was a big fan of it, and she was like, you gotta see this show, so I checked it out, but eventually I just got distracted. And never came back. So I watched um, the pilot episode recently, which I think is what you watched. And it is yes. very, very different than the series that I know. It was like kind of a man from uncle, spy, James Bondy kind of thing going on in the beginning, which is weird. Right. I don't know. I had a. I tend to like some of those older 70s shows, especially some of the drama ones, or I guess 60s. What, when did that come out? Uh, um, 60s, but for the most part, it's known for being 70, early a, 70s. 70, a 70s show, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think I'd have to see a lot more than just the pilot to see if I really get into it or not. Obviously, the cars are going to speak to me, but beyond that, I was not easily gotten drawn into this one as it was the other two. The funny thing is, the pilot episode is very easy to find because uh, Desilu Productions uh, is Desi and Lucy's company, and they did a bunch of shows. This was their final show that they did. Uh, for some reason, the copyrights, as the company fell apart, the copyrights for some of their shows was not renewed properly. So the I think the pilot episode, like the first couple episodes, there's no proper copyright on them. So you find like a lot of these fly-by-night companies putting them out in packages. So you can find the, the first movie real easily. That's how I found it. Uh, in the yeah. first episode, he works for a company called Intertech, which is heavy on computers using the future of the science to help solve <laughs> crimes. I love doing that voice. And uh, he had a different cast. And it turns out that while it was doing okay... Um, CBS saw, well, you know what? A lot of people are alienated by computers. They don't understand what computers are, which kills me. The idea that people didn't yeah. understand what a computer really was, I find hilarious because we have them in our pockets now. We're on them all day long. So we have them on our watches. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? I don't, I don't, I, we have a smart watch at work, which is like, okay, I work for a company that um, it's kind of like Big Lots. You guys still have Big Lots out there, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Big Lots is not up here in Oregon. We have a company called Bymart, which is kind of like Costco meets Big Lots. And they buy um, excess stock from other companies. And, they, and, and you have you pay for a membership, and it's like a small fee or whatever. 
but for the most part, uh, they buy stuff that didn't take off at other companies. And we have a smartwatch by a company I've never heard of, which is not rare because we have like, a lot of companies I've never heard of. But the smartwatch, all it is is a thin little bar that notifies you when it calls or the weather or whatnot. I thought smartwatches were supposed to be like, you know, I can go on the internet. I can go to Wikipedia and YouTube on my watch. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is how, like, the Apple smartwatch is, right? I don't know what the Apple is. To be honest, I've seen them where you're talking about where it's just a small little bar. Yeah. But there's also the kind where you can actually, and most apps have to be made for it, I think. Um where you can still do much of the same app's functionality on your watch. Okay. But usually it's most, mostly like calendar, calculator, maybe uh, an MP3 probably as well. Uh, if it's Apple on guarantee, iTunes is on your watch. But I don't know Apple. I don't like Apple, so <laughs> <laughs> nobody, can, nobody shoot me. But <laughs> yeah. there's certain, there's Currently there's some Steve Jobs people uh, – collaborating with the people who are mad that you screwed up the car details and they're both going to come after us <laughs> yes oh and i have to say this um our episode what was it the uh the miami vice episode when i posted that someone got very upset you guys you guys your conversation topics are all over the place you have all these tangents and i was like clearly you have never heard an episode that we have ever done before or ever <laughs> listen to us talk to each other this is how we work my brain is like a pinball machine. That ball goes everywhere. Speaking of Miami Vice, you know I had some Rocky Road ice cream the other day? Yeah? It was the best stuff I ever had. Sorry. No. Oh, was it the Crockett and Tubbs flavor? Was it vanilla and chocolate with a little bit of like spice in it? <laughs> okay, now you're taking it on a whole different tangent. All right. um, so, Mannix, obviously we don't know much about the show, and I, I feel kind of bad about it. Uh, it was kind of like one of those just well-written detective shows that tackled social issues. It was a little more serious-minded than Rockford, which was also like its comparative yeah. show at the time. Both were very popular with people when it comes to detective shows. Uh, but this one, um, it focused heavily on you no know, social and political things. You know, post-Vietnam and um, assault and you know just gun issues, stuff like that. Stuff that other shows weren't tackling, and. Even though it didn't get the awards that uh, Rockford Files got, and it hasn't been in syndication as much, it was a more popular show. It's just yeah. one of those things. I think it it wore Mike Connors out. He was on the show for eight years. It was still in the top twenty when it ended, but I can see as an actor why you get tired of doing the same thing every day. You have to create. You have to bring something new. I could, as a person who can't even stay on a job for more than a few years. And stay in a relationship for, yeah, who are we kidding? At all? Um, TV show, playing the same thing over and over would just kill me. I can't do it over and over. So, you know, that and also the fact that CBS did not pay Mike Connors his royalties. Another story of not getting paid royalties. Mm. Bummer. We love Hollywood. Yep. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> they give us the goods and they don't give the actors we love the goods. That's right. Uh it's a shame. Every season is available on DVD. Not a collector's package yet, but hopefully they'll put them in a complete set. And I was well, go ahead. I was pleasantly surprised to see that. That's awesome. So I'll definitely probably look into that one of these days. I was wrong. Um, actually, there were actually I couldn't find it before. There were actually a lot of nominations, not a whole lot of winning uh, for Golden Globes, but won four Emmys. 
Most of them were like technical ones or uh, like supporting roles. Mike Connors was nominated four times for. You know what? I think I'm getting tired. I'm not reading this right at all. He did win a lot of awards. I'm a fool. He won one Golden Globe for Best Actor and won four Emmy Awards for Best Actor. There. I'll shut up now. Now, let's go to the car details. Nice. Well, <laughs> that was so... I almost feel like editing that out. I screwed that up so bad. <laughs> let's see here. Car details. Mike Connors' character drove a 66 Mercury Comet Caliente convertible. And this was only in the pilot episode. Before... He went private in later episodes. He drove for a company called Intertech, like we talked about. And he drove a 67 Mercury Comet Cyclone con- convertible. A 67 Ford Galaxy 500 four-door. Now, this is one of the odd ones. It is actually a hard top. Uh, but these were both company cars that were shot up. Huh. And this all happened before he started driving uh, what I would consider iconic if I actually watched the show. But uh, it's a 68 Tornado convertible. Are we seeing a reoccurring theme here? Yes. Um, I, oh, you missed one. The Ford Fairlane, one of my favorite cars of all time. The Ford, Ford Fairlane. Fairlane. I'm, I'm going to go through here in a minute and okay. just read everything that I can see listed here on this website who, uh, for in the interest the of time. Who made the Tornado? Who made the Tornado? Here's where it gets awesome. The Tornado was built by the late and great George Barris. Yes, George um, actually just passed. Did you see his casket? They customized yes. his casket to look like a hot rod. I want that casket. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I mean, a uh, long time from now. A very long time from now. Yes, very, very, very long time. Don't let the uh, speedy lines of my casket be an indication of how quickly I want to go down 1600. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho... <laughs> Um, I say, actually, uh, of a lot of the cars that he drove, Mike Connors didn't like that car. No kidding. But personally, I thought it was awesome looking. Yeah. But I, I, more and more, I'm getting more into some of the, uh, like, late 60s uh, era off, I call them odd cars. They still got kind of a muscular look to them, but they're, they're cars you don't see very often, at least not over here. Maybe yeah. overseas you see a lot of them, but... Um, so I really like this. Um, from here, I'm just going to read off this website here, uh, what it had on it. It was a um, silver and dark gray roadster featured black leather tonneau cover over the black back seats, not the black seats. <laughs> uh, a hidden gun compartment, radio telephone, which is essentially an old-style receiver attached somewhere in there. This is really cool. Uh, I often wondered why, uh, watching this, how the heck that worked, but... Anyway, yeah, I've, I've always had a, how are they getting the signal to the phone? How does that work? Exactly, how? exactly. And this is 1967. Or I mean, what? What? I mean, anyway, Batman, Batman didn't even have a phone in his car, did he? No. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think he did. I think he had to go home to get a phone call. I mean, it was either the bat signal or the phone at home. And uh, what? Look, Mannix. Mannix has like a quarter. Uh, uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm being. Uh, you know what? Bruce Wayne was crazy rich. He should have been able to afford what Mannix had. Mannix had, like, hardly any money. He was just a detective, and yet he had <laughs> that car phone. Be my Motorola, I'm, no less. I'm going to have to call you on that one. He did have a bat phone in his car. What? I don't remember that at all. I just got He did. I'm looking at a picture right all here. All right, all right. <laughs> Maybe edit it later. 
yeah, this looks like a later episode, it's like towards the end of the series, but um, I lost my spot. There it is. Okay. I'm not going to list off everything that was on this thing. You have to look it up for an in, in the interest of time. But here's a quick list of cars that were in this show. From 68 to 72, he drove the, a number of dark green Plymouth cars, including a 68 Dodge Dart 383 engine, a dark green 69 Dodge Dart with a 340 engine, a dark green 69 Dodge Dart GTS convertible with a 340 V8, dark green 70 Plymouth Barracuda convertible with a 340, uh... 1971 Plymouth Barracuda convertible with a 440, a 1972 Plymouth Barracuda convertible with a 383, and during the 73 to 74 season, he drove a Dodge Challenger hardtop with a 340. And then the very last season, i got to take a deep breath here, <laughs> he drove a 74 dark blue Chevy Camaro hardtop. As it's needless to say, if you're a car guy, yeah. check this show out. I mean, seriously, this is the most car-heavy, because most shows were obsessed with one type of vehicle. You had to get, you know, that that was the thing they were identified with. But this show, just every single season, a new great car. Now, I'll say yes. that his assistant, Peggy, had kind of, eh, meh, cars. I mean, she had, uh, well, the, I don't even know what a Simca is. What is a Simca? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Simca? Yeah. That's that like, is something I've never heard of before. Yeah, she How drove, do you spell it? She drove a Simca S I M C A one thousand. She also drove the Simca twelve oh four, which is a very random number to pick. Ah, the Dodge Colt okay. and a Chevy Vega, which I don't even know what uh, Vega. Oh, it's a Vega. She Chevy Vega. <laughs> That's very popular on the drag strip. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of the Simca one thousand. It's it's a European car. Uh, French. It's actually French. Uh -huh. um, that's why we've never heard of it. It's one of those tiny cars that fit on those tiny roads. And <laughs> but anyway. I think it's funny. Right before, I don't know if people listen to the show all the time, but right before you start up with your car details, I don't know if you even know you're doing it. Right before you go into the car details, you do this thing with your hand. Like you're revving up your own personal engine. <laughs> Every single episode, right before you go into the details, you're like, um, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just hyped. I'm hyped about it. All right. So that brings uh, us to the end of this episode, right? Um, do we have any more details? Uh, I have a lot, but in the interest of detail, I think you're better off. I think we've listed enough. Yeah, we're past the hour point, which is usually where we stop, which is like, no, I thought this was going to be a short episode. We were discussing this earlier. It's like, yeah, I don't know if we have enough to fill up the hour. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I would like to mention one thing. Um, the the uh, Tornado, yeah. which is essentially like the Cadillac Eldorado and Buick's Riviera or something at the time, I think it was. Um, Oldsmobile wanted to build a small car. And GM was had nothing of it, so they got the next best thing. Were able to build a bigger luxury type car. And of interesting note, um, where did I put that? It's one of the. It's a milestone car. A lot of people call it a milestone car. It's historically significant because it was the first front wheel drive automobile produced in the United States since the demise of the Cord 812 in '37. And it had a many other features on there that were first as well, but uh, that being one of the most significant. I just thought that'd be cool. A little cool tidbit. Tidbit. Not that, I, not that I'm big on front-wheel drive, but... <laughs> and if you're playing the Full Throttle TV podcast uh, at-home game, 
the drinking part is where <laughs> I say um, uh, where he says tidbit, and I think you're probably drunk by now because I've said um roughly 80 times and you said tidbit four. Tidbit, you have to take a large gulp. When I say um, you just take a sip. So, so you have to moderate it because I say um a lot. And if I say anyway, you got to chug half the bottle. Sorry. Oh. And if you're with a friend, every time you mention Glenn A. Larson or Stephen J. Cannell, you have to slap each other. <laughs> you're yes. Getting, you're getting a little drunk. Oh, he just said Glenn A. Larson. You wake your friend back up. Finish the podcast. Can we throw Mike Post in there, too? Yeah. You know what? If it's a theme song by Mike Post, you have to you have to <laughs> dance. Stop everything you're doing. You have to get up and do a jig. Just <laughs> upload your videos to YouTube. Yes. Post the full throttle <laughs> podcast drinking game. You have to dance, slap, and get drunk. <laughs> oh no! What have we started? <laughs> we started drunksgiving. <laughs> okay. Um, and on that note. Yeah. All right, everybody, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have a page set up for just full throttle podcasts. You can check out those episodes. But if you need more than a monthly fix, go to Retro Rocket Entertainment. The main. Uh, I want to say the main company for all of our podcasts. You can go there. We have news. We have uh, uh, little information we share with you. And we have all three of our shows, Video Night, Back in Tunes, and Full Throttle. And we just added a new one uh, called Stumbling Towards Adulthood, where we go through topics from our childhood and we kind of dish about them. Some of the stuff's covered in the cartoon and the Full Throttle, but there's certain ones, like we did one where we talked about the concerts that we went to when we were teenagers stuff like that and, and next we have like uh the worst jobs you know the worst in the first you know and uh <laughs> stuff like that stuff from our childhood that we can't fit into our other shows come uh check it out subscribe share because if you don't know this already facebook shut me down for two weeks because i found a way around paying them to promote the show and they banished me. They erased every single post I have ever put out for the last, what, six years? And nice. um, I cannot afford to pay them because we do this for fun. Um, Ron has done a ton of art for free. Um, but if you like his art, you see for like Retro Rocket and Full Throttle, contact him and uh, send him some cash because, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't get paid for this. And it, it's fun to do. But it's always nice if we can get a little chunk of change. But I'm not paying Facebook five bucks. I did it before, and you know what it got me? Three new downloads and a bunch of subscribers from Russia. <laughs> Seriously, Who we like, can't even talk of, with. I was like half of the people that I paid to, you know, promote to, are like from Croatia, which I'm pretty sure don't even have the internet. I don't know. I think they're fake. Oh, great. Okay, and that's <laughs> it for us here, Ron. Thank you. Um, I think it's hey. the weird thing is we noticed between the break between Rockford and Mannix that I didn't do the real introduction. I assume that everybody's so used to the show that we didn't have to. <laughs> but I'm Michael. Well, let's just hope they are. Uh, this is my hetero life mate. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> do you realize that I've known you for almost 25 years now? Shh. <laughs> I mean, a whole two years. We're youngins. It's, I gotta go. That's right. I'm skipping school today. I better go and... Uh, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know where I'm going with this, so I'm done. I'm out. I'm Michael, uh, this is me saying goodbye. Be excellent to each other. Hasta la vista. Alright, we're out.
All right, everybody, welcome to Full Throttle Podcast. You can tell from that music, we're going to be listening to, or listening, we'll be discussing the TV show Vegas and the early 2000s series Las Vegas. I'm your host, Michael, my co-host. What's up, Ron? Not much. Uh, I'm just grooving to that groovy disco beat. Yeah, I can dig it. The, um... This episode's going to be a little bit shorter because we were struggling on how to put this together. We're starting to, we, we, it dawned on us that we're starting to run out of shows to discuss. <laughs> um, so oh, it's without, a sad day. Yeah, without lots and lots of padding with shows that we really don't know anything about or we've never seen or we can't find, uh, it's probably best that we just keep them short and tight. Like my hair, short yep. and tight. Or like mine, gone. <laughs> mine no. too, I'm kidding, I'm totally, I'm totally bald. I'm balder than you for sure. Alright, so let's get started with uh, the 70s series Vegas with Robert Urich. And um, you know what, let's change the pace. What car did he drive? Let's start off with the car stuff first. You're putting me on the spot, ah, man. I know, I'm just... Uh, I wasn't prepared! No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> okay. this is the one I got a lot on because I figured... And I put some pun in there, and it's kind of intended. But uh, this is more of a rare bird than the other car we'll be talking about. <laughs> so I'll probably have a little bit more information on it. But uh, First, let's start off with my personal favorite. Phyllis Davis's character, Beatrice. She drove a 67 or a 68 Mustang. We're not sure because, you know, Hollywood is. They'll take parts here and parts here. And general consistency is it's a 67. But anyway, it's a Brittany Blue convertible Mustang. And uh, Robert Ulrich's character, did I say that right? I think it's Yurik. Yurik? Yurik. Yurik. Oh, boy. Well, I did voice text or voice typing, and I really screwed that up. Oh. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Robert Yurik. Yes, that's it. Anyway, uh, he drives this car occasionally in season one, but his main car is, and we're going to focus on that, is a 57 Ford Thunderbird. This car was the car that they Ford put out to directly compete with the uh, Corvette at the time, which was, let's see, what, what year was this? 57? Yeah, that would have been, I think the Corvette came out in 55, something like that. So they needed a competitor. It was a two-seater. Um, it had that awesome, have you ever had, oh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to look for is, anyway, uh, Ever wanted a car, one of those big lead sleds with the big tire on the back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> called the Continental Tire Kit. Now, it was never, it was mostly prominent on the Continentals, the Lincolns of day of the days of yore, anyway, on the Continental Lincolns. Uh, but it wasn't actually first on the Continentals. Uh, but anyway, that's what it's called. Um, I lost my place, man. Oh, no. You're smoking too much. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't smoke weed at all. There he is. Okay, here's an interesting bit. I, I couldn't find any information on the exact engine that Tana's um, Danny. That's funny. We have two Dannys in this show. Oh, anyway, right. in this. <laughs> well, anyway, his, we don't know what engine was in his car. There's only two, two cars used from what I could glean from the internet, the interwebs. Uh, one was obviously a stunt car, and then there's the uh, Glamour Shot car. Uh, one of them, I think the stunt car had a Dodge engine in it, so we can just shove that aside for a second. <laughs> um, so I, as far as the engines go, there were four engine options. Since I don't know exactly what was in there, there were four engine options on those T-Birds. And um, 
I got way more information than I probably everyone really wants to know. But <laughs> go ahead. If you need to take a breather, <laughs> I'll take over, and then we'll go back to it. Alrighty. So we'll we'll start with. Let's see. There was four four series. There was the C series engine. That was the base engine. It had a 292 cubic inch two barrel. Uh, it was rated at 212 horse. <clears throat> excuse me. It was only available with a three speed manual, and approximately 3,300 of those were made. The more common D series. Get this. Okay, we jumped from 3,300 units to 16,423 units. <laughs> so obviously more popular. Uh, 312 cubic inch, four barrel, 245 horse, with either the three-speed overdrive manual or a Ford O-Matic transmission. I just love the 50s and all their insert yes, yes. buzzword here. <laughs> Attach O-Matic for that. This is the future sound. You know what I mean? <laughs> and on that note. The T-Bird also had the dialomatic power seat, which slid your seat back with when the key was off and slid it back into the uh, front position when the ignition was on. It also had a dialomatic radio system, which increased the volume as you increased your speed. So I guess technically there really was the future. <laughs> so I didn't realize they had that kind of stuff back then, but very cool. And then there was a couple other series. There was the E-Series. Um, that was their high-performance special engine. It had a, a bigger cam, had two four-barrel carbs, and would output 270 horse. And the racing version put out 285 horse. And a little interesting tidbit is the... Um, you know it's really hard to say the word tidbit? tidbit without screwing that up and making it sound filthy? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, hold on a second. Where uh, is your mind? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, they developed a newer, a supercharged version of this car for the NASCAR competition of the day as well. Uh, the first 15 units, it's a, let me make sure, 14 units, had a D data plate, and they were called the DF birds. You can make it that whatever you want. Anyway, and that was why those were produced specifically so that they can get into the NASCAR. Now, I can't imagine seeing a Thunderbird in a NASCAR circuit. Can you? No. What? Huh. <laughs> Maybe. Of course, I don't, I don't know what 57 looked like, what NASCAR looked like in 57. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway. And here's an interesting tidbit. Tidbit? <laughs> Speaking of tidbit, I have to say this real quick about Vegas. Uh, Probably so. There's a lot of jiggle going on. It's an Aaron Spelling show. We'll get uh -huh. to that in a little bit. Man, there's a lot of jiggle. <clears throat> yeah, there is. There's a lot of bouncing. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see. Um, we always wonder what happened to the cars when the show ends. Yes. This car in particular, the, uh, these cars actually, both these cars were used in, they were repainted, um, what was it, an aqua color, and they were used in the 83 film uh, Richard Gere was in called Breathless. Oh, oh, yeah. Huh, I gotta watch that again. And Definitely, mostly, well, I've never seen it. Those, what's that? Sorry, <laughs> the alarm okay. went off. <laughs> uh, for the most part, I know it because uh, uh, the, the connection to one of the first movies ever to mention comic books. They had Silver Surfer in it, and he was a his character was a huge fan. But I totally forgot about the whole car aspect. But go ahead, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Sorry, I'm trying to shut off my alarm so I don't interrupt anymore. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the cool thing about it was that these cars were scheduled to be crashed in one of the scenes in that movie, in Breathless. Uh, but I was so I was going on the internet trying to find information. I found uh, the IMCDB. See, uh, if anybody doesn't know, that's the I, I am. Internet Movie Car Database. 
Is that new? Anyway, I've um, heard of that. It's, I don't know how new it is, to be honest. Uh, been around a while, as far as I know. I got to check At it least out. as long as IMDb. But uh, anyway, it's not by the same people, um, I don't believe. No, no, probably not. There's so many different databases it's, now for stuff. It's crazy. Well, it's not nearly as polished as the IMDb. No, so no, no. It's, well, I mean, they also have good, huge but... corporate backing behind them. Right, right. Um, there's a owner on there, or excuse me, a um, forum user on there named Vegas Bird Owner, and his father and his business owner, um, through much talking back and forth and convincing, convinced Aaron Spelling and his crew to sell him the cars and they switched the car that was going to be crashed out to i guess a porsche or something i've not seen the movie so the cars were saved and they're still alive to this day so because of it so nice good 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 you, you hate that's to all see i have these classic that. cars absolutely destroyed and never seen again and all yes. that's left is uh kit cars you know or just replicas it's nice to know that the originals still uh exist i would have rather especially with a car like this i would have rather seen a replica crash then why why did they got to do it to the original Chris, yeah, i don't i don't get that they can just buy a cheap one put a plastic uh, shell over it or something and do it these days it's all cgi what what year was this show out was it 70 78 to 81 robert yurk is an unusual one because he i think he still holds the record for most tv shows and i think it was 11 tv shows that he launched and only vegas and Spencer for Hire lasted uh, at least, you know, um, three seasons. I, I, I say if a show lasts three seasons, it's considered something of a success. Below that, you're just right. like, oh, it could have been a fluke that it lasted to a second season. But most of his shows got canceled immediately. But sadly, he did pass away, I believe, in 2001. And uh, if he hadn't passed on, I mean, his record could have been 15, 16 shows. Who knows? Right, definitely. Was it he? I think I, when I was looking through information, didn't he have a? What did he have? Was it cancer or? I'm pretty sure it was cancer. Uh, yeah. I know that he has severe complications. He had a TV show on TNT, which was actually kind of popular. It was called Lazarus Man. It was a western, and he awesome. got sick, so TNT canceled it instead of waiting for him to get better, which is BS in my opinion. He went to remission, right. and then he launched uh, the remake of Love Boat. And it was on UPN. It lasted for two seasons. He got sick again, and it got canceled. And then he did the Emerald Lagasse show. Do you remember Emerald Lagasse? Everything, everybody's crazy about him for a short period of time, constantly going around going, bam, bam, bam. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, I love. Uh, he died yeah. shortly after that was canceled. Mm. What dang. Yeah, I had a thought in my head, and I lost it. It's okay. <laughs> While you think about that, I'll let you know that that show, Lazarus Man, that he was on, uh, since got canceled due to not ratings, but to him being sick, he actually sued Castle Rock Television and TNT and got 1.47 million. Wow! Somebody, that was the thought in my head. I would imagine, <clears throat> well, cancer victims that, and you see a lot of drive in people when 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 they get to a certain point. As long as they have something to help them drive, you know, fight yes. something to fight for. You know what I mean? Not just their life. Just I would imagine. He liked his, he loved acting, obviously. That would have been something to help me drive and fight and, you know, taking that away would have just, I don't know, that's my opinion. He, uh, he is actually a really well-known college football player. 
Uh, he played mm-hmm. for Florida State University, but ended up graduating from a different college, Michigan State University, with a different degree. He got a master's degree in broadcast research and management, then became an actor. I was wrong. Not 11 TV shows, 13. I'm going to go off real quick about them. Uh, Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice, an adaptation of the movie. He, that was his first series. He did SWAT, which is awesome. If you've never seen SWAT, go find yes. it. Soap, also very good, but he was only in the first season. Uh, Tabitha, which is a spinoff of Bewitched, when uh, her daughter's older. He was in right, Vegas. Right. Gavilon, which not a, peop- a lot of people remember that one. Then he did Spencer for Hire, which I think is Love probably... that show. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably his most well-known show. And one of the only shows I know set in Boston. And he did American Dreamer, which bombed. Crossroads bombed. It Had to Be You bombed. Then Lazarus Man, and the rest of them we discussed. Right. So I, I, it took me a while to remember that that's where I remembered him from. I, I mean, I've seen some of his other, stu- his other work, but Spencer for Hire is when I first as far as I remember, when I first figured out who he was. But. Yeah, for me, it was Ice Pirates. I had seen that in the theaters a year before oh. Spencer came out, and that's what I knew him from. Did we, was that one of our rentals, our high school movie rentals? It, it possible. I can't remember, but it's very possible that that was one of our regular rentals. It seems to me like it would have been something you and I would have definitely, re- definitely. It was uh, goofy and fun and tons of special effects and definitely something that we would have watched. Right. <laughs> okay, I think I want to watch it again, to be honest. The uh, the best triple feature that I ever saw at the drive-in, which triple features at a drive-in are rare anyway, it was Ice mm-hmm. Pirates, Star Trek Three, and Last Starfighter. And I stayed up for the whole thing, and I was seven No way. You were how old? Seven. So I must have had like some sort of just drive keep me awake. Like, I got to make it. I got to make it. Only one more movie to go. <laughs> Did you have some uh, rope licorice? Uh, All right, starting to wind down. I had a down. lot of sugar, and maybe I took a nap during the day. I can't believe I made it through that. <laughs> sugar injection. <laughs> All right, so the show Vegas is actually created by Michael Mann, even though it was produced by the Spel- uh, Spelling Goldberg team. Spelling Goldberg is basically known for doing tons of fluff. Uh, either shows that had some sort of serious tone, and then they would just show in like shots of people's butts and chests. And, like they, they were big on the jiggle factor and the, and the glitz. And it, yeah. makes, it makes sense that they would buy this show from Michael Mann, who was a serious crime writer. Uh, everybody knows him, of course, as the creator of Miami Vice. Or the co-creator of Miami mm-hmm. Vice. And uh, Crime Story, he would do uh, Manhunter, Heat, uh, The Insider. Tons of really great crime cop movies and stuff like that. If you watch Vegas, you can see that, at least in the first season, it's very serious. Stories mixed in with the glitz going on around it. But I notice as the show goes on that his control seemed to be falling apart. And I think that's why Tony Curtis quit after the first season is... He realized it wasn't going to be the show that he signed up for. Right. It never is. It never yeah. stays that way. Yeah, a lot of shows, they get mucked with by either the network or the executive producers, and then the creator just walks. Look at Heroes. One of the greatest first seasons I've ever seen. The The network stepped in and destroyed it, so he quit and created Pushing Daisies. So one of the other things I liked about this show is uh, what going back to the theme song when you started it. Um and I didn't know this until I started. I was curious. I wanted to figure out if this guy was um, some guy with some cred. His name is Dominic. Don't. And if I kill this, excuse me. It's a Frontier. Frontier. I'm, I'm guessing it's French or Italian, maybe. 
I think it might be Italian. Anyway, he did the music for like one of the shows we did before, Matt Houston. Yeah. Um, uh, going on further back, he did the Gumball Rally. Oh, speaking of cars, we were talking about doing the Cannonball Run movies. There's tons mm-hmm. of these car racing movies that we could discuss after the shows yes. were done. I haven't seen Gumball Rally. I want to watch it. It's awesome. It's it's stupid fun. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah there's a whole Sarazin, list. Right? If you ever want to... I'm sorry, what? That's the one with Michael Sarazin, correct? Uh, ah, crap. Ah. I haven't watched it in so long. <laughs> it's okay. I couldn't name anybody in it at the moment, but... um. Anyway, if you ever get a chance, if you're into the music parts of this, uh, look at Dominique Frontier. It's F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R-E. Definitely well worth a listen. And there's a lot of it out on YouTube if you want to give it a give it a shot. Okay. Anyway, yeah, moving so, on. So for the show, um, it's it's finally out on DVD, the complete series. You can get it for pretty cheap. Uh, weirdly enough, I don't think they release complete seasons. They do season one, part one, part two, then season two, part one, part two. It, uh, yeah, it's a strange choice not to release it. It's not like the seasons were very, very long, but that's just how Paramount right. went with it. If they're going to make it, they're going to make a little extra cash. That's the way yeah. I look at it. And for those who don't know, this is Vegas with a dollar sign at the end. Yes, there's three not... different Vegas shows. There is the one that we're discussing right now. Then there is Las Vegas, which is coming up next. But then there's the Vegas show that would lasted for a year. With Dennis Quaid and, uh, crap, he was on The Shield. Uh, Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis, thank you. Yep. But I, I never actually say, saw a single That looks promising. Apparently the ratings were, weren't all that great on it. and that, to me, I never got a chance to actually see it, but I yeah. thought it looked pretty awesome from the what I saw. The show was but... very, very expensive. <clears throat> uh, I think they said well, that'll three do and it. a half million per episode. And with network television, not doing as well as it used to. You can see yeah. why they canceled it. There is another Vegas TV show that I was trying to find that we could discuss. Was uh, it, it was a short-lived TV show in 99 on UPN called The Strip. It was a cop show set in Vegas. Sean Patrick Flannery is a star, and he had a really awesome car. I can't find anything about this show. No clips mm-hmm. except for like one brief commercial on YouTube. So I apologize for not being able to cover that. And there's going to be a lot of TV shows that we tried to cover we plain and simply cannot find. Because you remember last year we were trying to find the uh, 18 Wheels of Justice when we were doing our trucker episode? Right. Nowhere. You can't it's find not a there. single episode. There's one in, in, in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, so I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I think the next best thing we could do is reach out to our fans. If anybody out there has a VHS tape, yeah, <laughs> course, do we have anything to play those on anymore? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> and then there's some shows where we're still not certain we're going to cover like Cobra, which isn't a very good TV mm-hmm. show, even the co- even though the car is awesome. Uh, Renegade, right. which I know was on for six seasons, but I think is god-awful. Uh, he had a cool <laughs> motorcycle. There's some stuff we're just not going to be able to do. Um, so we were going to do a season three, but we're going to shorten it. We're just going to make season two longer than the normal six episodes that we planned. And uh, then we're going to start discussing movies. We want to discuss some trucker movies and some car movies and... Uh, so maybe some airplane stuff. Like we have uh, the Iron Eagle 30th anniversary versus Top Gun Woo-hoo! episode coming up soon. Uh, for Valentine's Day, we're going to be discussing the Love Bug Herbie series. And I think that uh, we should try to do two episodes. Uh, we usually do one a month, but I think we should try to do two this month because uh, 50 years ago today, or last, sorry, 
I say today, but when you're listening to this episode, it's irrelevant. Uh, is the 60th right. anniversary or 50th anniversary of the Batman TV show? Right. So how can we not talk about one of the coolest cars ever? And then we'll talk about Green Hornet with that. That will probably be our next episode. Um, check us out on Facebook. We're on RetroRocketEntertainment.com and Full Throttle Podcast, a special page where we share the podcast, but we also share a lot of information about cool cars and movie cars and stuff like that. And so I think probably time now for us to do our last show of this episode is Las Vegas. From 2003, it was on NBC. And uh, give me a sec, I'll get the theme song going. Here we go. And you'll notice that is not the original theme song. That is the syndicated and DVD version of the show. The uh, the original series had a little less conversation remix from Elvis. Ah, oh, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, so I guess they didn't get the rights, which seems silly. They didn't think the show was going to go on mm-hmm. DVD or, or syndicated, that they couldn't put that on the show. Uh, that theme song is kind of generic. Uh, I prefer, of course... Well, who doesn't prefer Elvis? If you choose anything over Elvis, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's Frank Sinatra. I'll give you leeway for Frank Sinatra. It's the king, and then there's... I don't know. He's in a... <laughs> Two completely different artists, but... You, you, yeah. Did you know that Frank Sinatra hated Elvis? Really? Yeah, he hated him because he thought his music was garbage, but his daughter said he was just jealous because... Elvis was making his album sales go down. Like, the music scene was changing by the time Elvis really kicked into high gear. That old-school crooner kind of music was dying off, and rock and roll took over. So he was really pissed at Elvis. And trust me, Sinatra was pissed at a lot of people. He held a lot of grudges for weird reasons. (laughs) But oddly enough, out of all the people that he let, he let it go. Uh, Some years down the road, after his first breakthrough, I think it was in the late 60s, that uh, they appeared on a show together. And Elvis and Sinatra sang a song. It's kind of cool that they uh, mended that. That's awesome. I'd like to hear that one. Yeah. All right. So Las Vegas, of the two shows, this one I prefer, even though there was a lot of mucking with the storyline. How many many episodes of this have you seen? Because I kind of know that uh, I've seen every single one of them, but I don't think you have. Uh, For this go-round, I was only able to see, like, three. And then, but... (sighs) Maybe a couple years ago, I, I sat down and tried to watch it all. I've probably seen a whole season. Yeah, the uh, I think it's still on TNT, uh, if I'm correct. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. It used to show in the afternoons. It could still be on. I'm not sure. DreamWorks, I believe, produced this, and they've been having a lot of financial trouble, so I don't know if their show is up in like hiatus or just no one has bought it right now. I don't know. But this was... I thought it was... Go ahead. It, yeah, I thought it was very well put together as far as... and. It's an interesting take on it, on the whole Vegas scene. Yeah. But it's not from anyway. a cop perspective or a detective perspective. It's from surveillance and security, and which yeah. is kind of a unique approach. It's You see more of how uh, a, uh, a casino works. Like, what are the yeah. inner workings of... Uh, how does a, a guest service person do things? How does uh, a pit boss do, you know, even down to the valet? Which... 
I've always had a problem with the fact that they made Mike uh, the only black male character a valet. It almost seemed, I don't want to say racist, to keep the black guy in, in like this little role, but I'm glad that eventually they turned him into a security team member. So everybody's got to start somewhere, right? I don't know. Yes, I don't. I don't know. It, <laughs> but I'm, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, it just seemed like it was an easy network thing to do. Well, a black guy can't be a lead, so let's just make him kind of like a lesser than. And like, uh, you could definitely make him the lead. Now I think Josh say he did a really good job, though. He did. He's one of my favorite characters. Josh Duhamel yes. doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, a lot of people just look at him as like he was in this Jiggle show, and he was in the Transformers movie where you really can't act. But he has done a couple yeah. really good independent movies that you should see that he just absolutely phenomenal in. I could swear there was... Well, yeah, I guess I've seen him in Transformers, and I think you and I were talking this a while back when we were trying to figure out what shows we're going to do. I couldn't figure out what it is I'd seen him in before Vegas. Was it Tad Hamilton? See, I don't know. Oh, I well, just... I know he was on soap operas, but then he was in Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, and that's what got him... Uh, the Las Vegas movie, or show. Maybe that was it. I don't know. See, I don't pay much attention to the chick flicks. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw this one because I'm, I'm a big Topher Grace fan, so I wanted to see it. Uh, and uh, I don't remember it being very good, but um, that's definitely what put him on the map. I'm not saying there's not some good ones out there. I just don't typically go for them. I usually watch them when my wife wants to watch them. So. Dude, I'm a sucker for You've Got Mail. I do not apologize for this yes. whatsoever. I will watch You've Got Mail anytime that it's, oh, hey, sure, why not? I got nothing else to do. I'll, I won't go to work. I'll watch this. <laughs> that's what, well, that's one of the handful of exceptions to the rules. Yeah. What's the other one? Uh, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know what I won't watch? Billy Billy Crystal. What's the Billy Crystal in? Harry Met Sally? Yes, when Harry Met Sally. Uh, Love that movie. And you would think I love it so much that I, I would remember the character, uh, <laughs> the Josh, freaking actors that were in it. But <laughs> Yeah, Josh Duomo appears in a series. I can't remember the name of the writer. He does The Notebook and uh, all those sappy, lovey-dovey. What are those movies written? Uh, Nicholas, uh, Nick Sparks or something like that? Nicholas Sparks, I think. Yeah, I cannot stand those movies, but he made one called Safe Haven. <laughs> and that was pretty much the last gasp of him. He's, uh, Josh Duomo's back on TV or he's doing like lower-budget movies. And uh, right. it's kind of a shame because I actually like He did a movie called Scenic Route, which uh, if you have to choose anything to see him in and see him really act, that's the one you go with. I'll give that one a shot. Yeah, and you were saying that it was kind of a coincidence that both Vegas shows starred somebody named Danny. Uh, I don't know if it was... I, I feel like the show is an intentional homage to the old Vegas show. Like, the guy who created it, uh, Gary Scott Thompson loved that show and it's like well you know what we never see action shows anymore the only thing on the air is alias let's bring back something that has action but at the same time has you know it can be for everybody it's fun and exciting right. there's lots of glitz and glamour but it's not dumb um i think it's a fun show that doesn't play down it's just it just wants to have a show where you can just sit back relax there's no stress there's no serious drama for the most part and right. just have a good hour with the whole family definitely <clears throat> but uh, Gary Scott Thompson is also the creator of the Fast and the Furious series. So even though Vegas isn't on the air anymore, you betcha he's you know getting in huge checks every time there's a, a sequel. <laughs> <coughs> so, uh, going back to the other Danny, it was what was it? Yeah, come on, Danny Tana it was a 
Dantana, sorry. His yeah. name was Dan Tana. And it was actually named after a restaurant that's apparently still in business to this yeah, day. Yeah, you know, I've seen that, and I thought that was weird. Well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Another interesting little tidbit. Tidbit. <laughs> that's our new word, tidbit. Tid, tidda. There's a U-H in there. Tidda. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> what is it? Who's the other people in there? Nikki Cox. Yeah, they, you know, it's funny. Oh, I had something the, going. The cast didn't last that long. Some of them, uh, Nessa was only on the show for two seasons, and I have not seen her yeah. since. I really liked her character. Uh, Mary, which is Nikki Cox's character, she would be uh, taken off the show in season, at the end of season four, she was taken off, and so was James Caan. James Caan turned out it was too expensive, and I think he didn't like the direction of the show, and he wanted to go back to doing movies. So right. both of them left at the end of season four. With a pretty good storyline. And then uh, Tom Selleck came in as the new owner. Now, there, a lot of owners would come in and out of this place. Um, <laughs> Dean Kane, I believe, was an owner for a short period of time. And what is the name? Serious? Yeah, uh, he was on a good arc. What is the name of the lady? Uh, she was in Wayne's World as Wayne's ex-girlfriend who bought him a gun rack. Ah, uh, uh, I can't remember her name. She's really, really crazy skinny. Um Laura Flynn Boyle, that's right. I, the, okay. voice was, the voice was called to me from another room. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, she ran the hotel, and uh, her storyline is crazy. She dies in such a crazy fashion that you cannot believe it even happened. And uh, the, lots of guest stars would show up in this, too. Uh, I remember specifically in the first season, I believe Van Damme, uh, he dies in a weird fashion. Uh, apparently, this is the thing. All these famous people would show up and get killed. Uh, Stallone was in it, uh, Sean Astin, Terry Bradshaw, uh, of course Dean Cain was in uh, a couple episodes, Rachel Lee Cook, Elliot Gould, Dave Foley, Brian Austin Green, uh, John Lovitz was uh, actually in a handful awesome. of episodes, Jay Moore, I believe this is the show where Jay Moore met Nikki Cox and they're still married to this day. Really? Yeah. Very cool. Uh, one of the best cameos or guest stars was from Jerry O'Connell. Because it allowed a crossover with, uh, do you remember the TV show Crossing Jordan with Jill Hennessy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they uh, are in the same universe. So I think there's about four episodes of Crossing Jordan and four episodes of uh, Vegas where they uh, they exist in the same world. It's pretty cool. I love when they do that in shows. It, it opens up their world. I do too. You know, um, Charlie's Angels and Vegas actually exist in the same world because Dan Tana appears at the end of um, Charlie's Angels and then five minutes later, you see the first episode of Vegas. That's awesome. Now, I love it when they do that. Like, Law & Order did a really good job of that, where they had to have the one show, and then you'd have the court show afterwards, but they tied in together. But there were two separate shows. I love it when they do that sort yeah. of thing. It's just... Now, not a lot of people know this, but do you remember the Knight Rider remake? It was like 2008, 2009. Do I have to? <laughs> oh, you didn't like it? <laughs> I don't... Was that the? Well, I don't know. Is that the one where there were multiple cars? No, no, that's Team Knight Rider. That is garbage. Oh, I'm talking right. about that is the garbage. one where it's the son of Michael Knight. Uh, you know, it's the one with the car that would do like uh, camouflage and had body armor and stuff like that. Do you remember it was only? It's not Knight Two Thousand, right? Yeah, or yeah, Knight yeah, Three Thousand yeah. order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but that exists in the same world as Vegas too. There is an episode where he goes to Las Vegas, and you see the characters from... You see Josh Duhamel and... Uh, not Nikki Cox. Uh, why am I so terrible with names? I even literally have this in front of my face. I am, face. too. 
My brain is going. Uh, it's supposed to be something in the air. Yeah. Uh, Molly Sims, they actually show up at the, I think it's the fifth episode of that show. And the reason is, the creator of Vegas was the showrunner on the new Knight Rider. And he was never able to finish Vegas. It ended on a cliffhanger, and NBC said, eh, screw it, we're not going to finish it. And left everybody hanging. So if you watch the Vegas episode of the new Knight Rider, you see the storyline wrapped up. Okay, can we get that on DVD? Uh, no, but I believe it's streaming on Hulu. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I love Hulu, sometimes. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if I said this or not. Yeah, Tom Selleck comes in at the fifth season. He's the new owner, and they found a way of saving money by basically having him show up like once every three episodes. And he would only show up for like five minutes for the most part. You know, um, and who doesn't love Tom Selleck? I don't care if it's five seconds. Uh, I'll take Tom Selleck pretty much in any show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, all right. You the gotta love the stash. Have Tom Selleck show up as a zombie in one of the episodes of Walking Dead, and I, I, I'm gonna watch it again. Although, what is it? Tom's in. Is Tom Selleck in a show now where he's stashless? No, and I never want to see that again. No. He did that for a very Me short either. period of time where he took off his mustache. And it was like seeing your grandma naked. It's something you never, ever horrifying. <laughs> it, it makes your blood just drop, and you're just like, oh, nightmares are going to continue again. Cannot unsee yes, that. Yes, cannot unsee Tom Selleck's upper lip without a mustache. It's weird. <laughs> it's like it's supposed to be there. It's just unnatural. So, yeah, he has a goatee now. He's been doing those, um, those Stone Cold movies. Mm -hmm. Not Stone Cold Steve Austin, the detective show, Stone. Um, and then he's been doing Blue Bloods, which I think it's in its sixth season, which I've never seen in a, a single episode of, but people love it. Obviously, six seasons. I've, that's one of them on my to-watch list, but I've got too many others on that said list. Yeah, well, your Netflix queue is probably filled. Everybody's Netflix queue yeah. is filled with shows with like, eh, I'll get to it later. I think it's a, there's a limit on the queue as well, so you're like, crap, I can't add any more. Oh, I didn't know that even was possible. Who did that? Maybe they couldn't handle the, the database or whatever. Like, this guy has 6,000 shows in his queue. We can't have that. <laughs> we can't be responsible for his um, couch potato-ness. What, what, what I've been told is that it's called uh, uh, queue gridlock, where you find yourself constantly scrolling and adding new things and then peruse yep. it over what you already have in your queue. But at no point do you actually go, eh, watch that. You just you just basically just scroll, scroll, <laughs> scroll, scroll, and then go to YouTube, watch something else. Oh, look, I have never is... done that. What? I never. I, I have never done that. I have tortured with my Netflix queues <laughs> at times because I'll just sit there and scroll and go, oh, I'm not in the mood. Oh, that person isn't here to watch that with. Oh, I'm on episode five. I guess I can wait. And that's, that's the one big problem with Netflix. Oh, crap. Now it's time to go to bed. Yeah. Dang it. How many hours have I been scrolling? Oh, my God. I, I, sir, you have carpal tunnel because of it. You go, we wake up the next day, you got 18 shows that you clicked on, didn't realize it because you were half asleep. Yeah. I love how Netflix makes you feel guilty when it goes, uh, are you still watching? Like, I want to see a seriously, right. like like a, just a disapproving look. Netflix, seriously, you're on your 12th episode of this. Are you still watching? <laughs> my wife will watch... Um, Either Friends or Grey's Anatomy going to sleep. And i that's how she wakes up and knows she needs to put the tablet down because <laughs> there's no more sound. <laughs> uh, so I'll say this about Vegas. It's of the two shows, I choose this one. My favorite character is actually Sam. Nobody really gives her credit, but she's the one that actually just basically 
she's a guest host specialist and she has to go through mm-hmm. so many insane things to keep these guests happy and she's so much fun to watch her just like get stressed out and and deal with these <laughs> lunatic people and uh I, i've worked in a casino and watching some of these people i was surveillance uh if anybody's wondering i was surveillance and you watch some of these people just misbehave so poorly but because they're big spenders they get away with it yeah 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 what, what else was what's that dang it speaking of sam there was something big that she was in it was beverly beverly hills that's what it was yeah. oh she was beverly hills 90210 yeah she was on the rock remember she's Nicolas cage's wife oh right right all right so i think that brings us to the end of this episode it's funny i said it was gonna be a shorter episode but we're almost at 40 minutes so i guess it's only a little bit shorter little tiny yeah. bit shorter well i suppose we ought to say something about the car first oh duh <laughs> Isn't it weird that we this episode's so different because we started off with the cars in Las uh, in Vegas, which we never do. We never start off with the car information, so I'm sure there's at least two people that said, "Oh God, here we go," and then they <laughs> fell asleep in the first two minutes. And uh, in this one, I almost shut down the show without talking about the cars. Go, go. And then there'll be two other people going, "Man, this podcast needs a little less conversation, a little more details." Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so I loved it. Great tie-in. So Danny McCoy's car is probably one of the more popular cars from the 60s and early 70s. Well, let's go back to the 60s. Uh, I don't know. Diehard in the wool Camaro fans would probably say, you know, every one of them was great. But personally, this is my favorite. Um, It's a 69 Camaro SS convertible. Well, I don't preferably I'd have a hard top, but that's my on preference uh it was daytona yellow with and here's where i got a little bit of, a lot of people were calling them rally stripes and maybe that's just an overall term and maybe i don't know my stuff as well as i think but uh from what little bit of information i could look up it's actually the z28 style stripes that were on this car because um, the uh actual ss stripes were tinier the little hockey stick looking thing that goes from the front headlight and then straight down the side of the car instead um, the SS performance package, oh, this was also the 69, uh, was the last of this first generation of Camaros. Uh, the SS performance package consisted of either a 350 or a 396 cubic inch V8, and it had an upgraded chassis to handle the additional power. And this is, I, I hate it when they do this. It did look good on this car. I'll, I'll give it that. A lot of car, like your aftermarket, uh, hoopties what do you want to call it <laughs> you see oh this perfect example i saw a picture the other day somebody popped up uh, modified their vehicle i can't remember what it was but it was some regular joe schmo family sedan and the hood scoop on it from a distance looks like a decent hood scoop but when you zoom in on a close of it it's a paint roller pan turned upside down and painted the color of the car what <laughs> <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? That's classic. Anyway, um, I digress. The the SS had um, air inlets on the hood, and they were for aesthetics only. They looked like they would allow air into the engine bay, but they were they were non-functional. But they did look good, I think. Anyway, like I said, I have to admit, I did. I don't know my Camaros as well as I should, and for that, I apologize to you fans. But um, the convertible SS was available with both the 350 and 396, like I said. But I'm unsure of what was in Danny's car. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of time, 
I will just focus on the base model, which was the SS350. Uh, that was the more popular option anyway. Uh, that was the engine code L48. Uh, it has a 5.7 liter, 350 cubic inches with an output of 300 horse and 380 foot-pounds of torque. And I hope I got that right because there's a lot of numbers flying around out there. And it's like It also had a compression ratio of 10.25 to 1. That's the same base engine that was in the Corvette of the same year. Can I say this? No, I tell you. You've had yeah, 10, go for it. You've, the, the information that you have provided in this episode is more than if you took the rest of the episodes that we ever discussed and combined them. <laughs> Usually you're just like, uh, I got nothing on this. I don't even, like, you can't find anything on anybody's car or, or motorcycle, or whatever. You're just like, ah, it's cool. Well, some of them were so obscure. I know, I know. <laughs> like, it's my fault. I, I try to find the most obscure show possible and to frustrate you with it. Then well, came Bronson. That doesn't make it any, any less cooler. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Oh, we're going to have fun with some of the movies we, we watch, because we're going to be like, I got nothing on Black Moon Rising. Oh, I got nothing on the Wraith. I, got, I, don't, I don't know what right. stroke race, what he was driving. I got a, I got a, I got a bit on the Wraith. I okay, did look that cool. up a long time ago. But um, I was going to say, it's one thing that interested me on like a lot of the cars from the 60s, and this I miss, actually, although it would probably drive a salesman nuts because I'd be sitting in that freaking sales room for, you know, three days trying to figure out what freaking engine I want to put in my car. But like this day and age, you got, you got, listen to my English. You have like three or four different options and your, whatever option you pick, the package, everything that comes with it is what you get and you can't intermingle stuff. You can't special order anything anymore. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, you'd think at least the Mustangs and Camaros and the Challenger are there, and, and there's some aftermarket stuff available, but I want to see stock out of the factory stuff coming out where you have an option and you pick and choose from an a la carte and you actually build the car you want. You why, know? why is it but, we're in a world with so much technology, so much choice, but it seems like there's so many things that you're used to that you can't build the way... Why am I still seeing cable packages the way they are? Why can't mm -hmm. I just pay like... Okay, well, it's a buck a station, and you pick, like, the 50 stations you would watch. I don't want 20 stations that are shit, that I have no interest in whatsoever. You know, why do I need right. a Home Shopping Network? I'm never even going to look at the Home Shopping Network. Can I have El Rey? Can I have the Fuel Channel? You know, can I have uh, G4? Right. It makes no sense. And the same thing with cars. Why is it uh, the corporations are not letting people build the cars the way they want to. If the American companies are in such dire straits financially, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they letting people go crazy with whatever they want? I think it probably comes down to the top, bottom dollar or whatever, uh, just production costs. So one person wants to do this certain thing, well, now they've got to do some, you know, now they got to shut down their line or whatever. But I, I, don't, I don't know. Like some of, like the Copo Camaros. Um, what's it, Copo? Do I get it right now? Yanko, Yanko Camaros. Uh, I remember. I remember see, like the I said, Yankovic. I don't. I remember the Al Yankovic. Yank <laughs> Yankovic. <laughs> well, the Yanko was actually a car dealer, um, and he would actually do his own thing. They get the cars from the factory, and then he'd upgrade it. Like he'd put four twenty sevens in into the Camaros, uh, but they wouldn't offer that from the factory. So he did his own thing. Now, I think Ford may do that with the Mustang and stuff, and that's the kind of stuff I'm seeing happening, but. Um, again, I'd like to see more of that come from the factory, but it's easier to do it that way, I guess, because then the factory's not shutting down production to make this one-off car that, you know, uh, and maybe there's more to it than that, and 
feel free to comment on that if you want. Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> Any more car deets? No, that's it, man. All right, so that brings us to the what? end of this episode. What, what, what? Huh? That car is actually still alive, if anybody wants to know. It's actually in Josh Duhamel's possession. He's restoring it. Nice. So Anyway, that's right. it. <laughs> All right, so we are not going to take as long as we usually do with episodes this time. Sometimes it's a month to six weeks. I am going to try as hard as I can to get you uh, to watch uh, Batman and Green Hornet, and we're going to come back for the 50th anniversary of that show in just a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean like five minutes from now. So you better be ready in five minutes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good night. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment or Full Throttle Podcast. Ron, thank you again for joining me with this show. Anytime, man. All right. Have a good night. Later.